Last week, we, had, we talked about the uh, foundation of every relationship first should start with God. And we looked at the idea that God is love. The Apostle John says that God is love in 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. It says this, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. My goodness. And so uh, today, as Janice so eloquently said, uh, our, our talk this morning is going to be a little PG-13. And so uh, I just want you to hold on to your seats. And um, I just thank God for the Bible, because if you get mad, you get mad at God, not me. And that's, our, that's the deal that we have this morning. And so uh, Judges chapter 16, that's where we're going to be at this morning. Judges chapter 16, we're going to be talking about the most dysfunctional couple ever. And it's going to be Samson and Delilah. And we're just going to read a preview of it. Uh, Judges chapter 16 and verse 4. Sometime later, he, he being Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Ooh. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. As I was doing research, some commentary said that was, would be modern-day $16 million. How many of y'all would tie up your spouse for 16? Oh, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand because <laughs> you might be sitting next to him right now and, and uh, your lunch will be awkward. So uh, this morning we're going to be talking about dating. Uh, if you're not dating someone, this is great for you. If you are dating someone, this is going to be good for you. If you're already married, this is going to be good for you. And we're just going to lean in and let God speak through his word. Amen, somebody. And so let's pray, and then we'll jump back into it. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercies. God, we thank you for waking us up this morning, allowing us uh, to come together as a community as, uh, of believers, God. And so we just thank you for that. Jesus, we know that in your word, uh, you said that your word is only as good as our heart condition. And so, God, we just ask right now that you would... Prepare our hearts to receive your word. God, we want to produce a harvest. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone say, amen, amen. amen. Um, do you guys know, I think, the demise of dating culture should be blamed on Disney. <laughs> now, I know, I know. It seems like I'm always bashing Disney. I love Disney. I, I love, I kind of love Disney. <laughs> but I think, I think, like, the demise of dating culture stems from the fact that from the very youngest of age, we are raised up watching Disney movies. And Disney movies, they sell this idea that all you need is love. Boop, boop, doo, 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 doo. Uh, right? Like Disney. 
They're like, hey, all you need is love. You can find anybody and all you need is love, and it'll work out happily ever after. You watch any Disney movie, but it doesn't relate to real life. Right? Like, in real life, in real life, you and I were telling Prince Charming, hey, don't kiss her. She's asleep. She don't even know you. Real talk? In real life, we're, we're like, in real life, we're like, Belle, maybe you should not fall in love with an animal. Because that's weird. And yet, they get married, and they fall, and they're happily ever after. <laughs> Ariel. Let's talk about Ariel. In real life, I'm like, Ariel, don't fall in love with a guy that can't even tell the difference between red hair and black hair. <laughs> like, wake up. Like, he can't even tell the difference. And yet, they get together, they fall in love, and they're happily ever after. And I'm thinking about, like, Disney's movie, and I'm like, Disney, come on, you're ruining, you're ruining our society here. And then they create this movie called Frozen. Whoo, and I thank God for Frozen, because Frozen's a little more accurate to relationships. Come on, like Anna, good old Anna, we love Anna. She's just, she's so naive, and she, she meets this guy named Hans. And Hans on the outside, he's Prince Charming. She's like, oh, I love you, Hans. They finish each other's sandwiches, and, and they're in love. And I love Frozen because Frozen breaks the stereotype of Disney. Because Anna realizes that just because I love this guy doesn't mean it's always going to work out. Because she discovers at the end of the movie, Hans, FYI, spoiler, is a bad guy. And everyone's like, hey, Anna, maybe it's too soon. You guys just met each other yesterday. You shouldn't get married. And Anna's like, no, it's perfect. But I love it. I love it because here's what, what I love it. Like Frozen really depicts this idea that feelings towards the wrong person makes for the wrong results. Feelings for the wrong person leads to the wrong results. And so this morning here is my heart that for everyone in here, if you're here and you're like single, ready to mingle, welcome. If you're here and you're currently in a dating relationship, welcome. But my heart for our next 20-ish minutes is to just give us some, some questions to ask ourselves when we're about to jump into a relationship or if we're currently in a relationship just to check these things off. But before we do that, i got to lay a foundation. we we got to lay a foundation that we can build on. Is that okay? And so last week we, we built the first, the first uh, thing that we built was this idea that God is a foundation of love. That God is love. 
And, and, and so, like, my heart is that, like, for every relationship that I jump into, whether that's uh, dating, marriage, parenting, my workplace, my name, like, everything stems from the fact that God is love. So that's the first foundation, okay? God is love. Here's the second thing. As we're building the foundation, we're going to build it on, is this, that God designed companionship. God designed companionship. So your, 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 uh, I just stuttered. Y'all hear that? That was a stutter. So your uh, desire to be in relationship with someone I just want you to know this morning, it's valid. Like God created us to have a longing for companionship. In fact, so much so, the first time that God ever said something was bad was when he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Think about that. God's creating the heavens and the earth. He's like, man, this is good. He's creating animals. This is good. He creates the, the sky and the land. He's like, this is good. And then all of a sudden, he notices Adam all by himself. And he's like, this is not good. And so what does he do? God creates Eve. And all of a sudden, companionship, because God understood that as a human, we long for companionship. We long for community. We long for relationship. And so the second thing is, the first thing, we're building this foundation on God. We're, we're, we're building it on this idea that God designed companionship. And here's the third thing for our foundation that we're just going to build on, okay? The third thing is this, is that companionship was designed for covenant. Companionship was designed for covenant. So this idea that, that God created companionship, this, this ability for me to want to be in, in relationship with someone, like it's supposed to lead to something. And, and so, so God designed companionship for covenant. Notice, notice that we don't read in Scripture that God noticed that Adam was lonely, so he created Eve and notice Adam in Scripture wasn't like, so, Eve, I'm naked, you're naked, I named all the animals already. Mm. Yeah. No. no. Notice, notice Eve wasn't like, so, Adam, you want to come to my treehouse? I don't know if they had tree houses. That's, that's maybe inaccurate. Um, but notice, like, it was intentional. God created covenant, or excuse me, God created companionship for covenant. You know what we call covenant? Marriage. And so God created your longing, your, your desire to be in relationship, to, be, to find a companion. He designed it for covenant, for marriage, to be together in marriage. Like marriage, despite what culture says, marriage, listen, marriage is not last resort. 
Like, I'm not getting married because she won't leave me alone, so we're finally going to get married. Marriage is not something that, that, like, we should take lightly. Like, marriage is something that God created from the very beginning of time because he saw Adam, he saw Eve, he saw their desire, or he, he put in, in them a desire, a companionship to long for one another, and he led that companionship into a covenant that we call marriage. And so what we see is that in Genesis chapter 2, Scripture says that uh, Adam was like, bone of my, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And he said, and God said that the two, two flesh would become one. And so God, like marriage is something, is something sacred. And uh, Pastor Paul, Robin, they're going to be talking about marriage, not next week, but in two weeks. So I just I invite you to, to, to come on back. But, but so our foundation, that God is the foundation. Like we build upon that God is love, that God created companionship. So he created a desire inside of you. And, he, and that, that companionship is to lead to covenant. And I need you to understand that this seems counter-culture. See, because culture, society is like, wait, I don't want to get married. I just want to, like, try things and test, like test drive. I don't know if that's still a thing. Like, I just want to, like, I, I want to test drive before I, 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 I buy the car. You guys ever said that? Have you heard someone say that? And so, like, culture, like, they, they like, culture is building this idea, man, that, that I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start um, a relationship with everybody, and then we'll see where it leads. But God created, uh, he created a relationship. For covenant, okay? And it's counterculture. So if you're like, man, that just seems weird because that means I can only date one person. And that's actually not what I'm saying either. I'm not saying like the one person that you date is the one that you marry because that's probably not wise advice. But, but there is something to understanding who you're jumping into a relationship with. And the, 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 the long road, the end goal, is to end in marriage, in covenant. And so, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at, again, the most dysfunctional relationship ever in history that I think. Because I, I think that you, you can learn stuff from what people do wrong. I think a lot of times we look for, we, we look for people that are doing it right and we try to model that, but like I think that's great, but I also think we can learn from people that are doing things absolutely wrong. And so we're going to look at Samson and Delilah because Lord knows they did some wrong things. And, uh, and so what we're going to do is uh, I'm just going to pull out a couple things throughout the text that we read and questions that you can ask yourself when you're going to jump into a relationship, when you, when you think you found that person that you want to you wanna date and it's going to be good. So y'all got to help me because this is an awkward uh, message. And so when y'all are quiet, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I'm going to start sweating 
and then it's just, it's all downhill from there, okay? So just breathe deep, breathe in, breathe out, because <laughs> it's going to get, as we get to the end, it's going to get uh, this way. Oh, man. Okay, so here we go. Uh, number one, the first question that I can ask myself that we can learn from Samson and Delilah is this. Am I the best me? Am I the best me? So what we read in Judges chapter 15 and Judges chapter 16, we get this amazing introduction to who Samson is. And in fact, we actually learn a lot about Samson. We learn that Samson has anger issues, like massively roid anger issues. Okay, like he's, he's just, he's an angry fella. Not only is, is Samson angry, but we learn that, that Samson, he has a lot of lust issues. And so we read in, in chapter 15 of Judges chapter 15, we read that Samson is married. Woo! Then we go to Judges chapter 16, and the first verse is, we find out that not only is Samson married, but he also has a prostitute. Yeah, awkward. I told you, breathe. Just breathe with me, okay? Like, it only gets downhill from here. So he's married. He has a prostitute. And then literally four verses later, he meets Delilah. Married, prostitute, Delilah. Okay, like... Clearly, Samson is longing for something. Clearly, Samson is not emotionally ready for a relationship. Clearly, Samson is searching for something to complete who he is. Because he's searching. He's searching his marriage. He's searched with this lady over here. He's searched with, and he's, he's searching for something. He's trying to feel some type of void. He's trying, to, he's trying to find something. And I think that if we're honest, a lot of us can relate to Samson. Relate to Samson in the sense that we're looking for something. We notice that we feel empty. And so we're looking for something to fulfill that emptiness. And here's what we do a lot of the times, is that we begin to look for other people to fill that emptiness. Oh, I'm just so lonely. Swipe right. That's the one. Like we're so lonely and, and there's just like this void inside of us that we're searching and we're looking for something that, that, that we're like, well, maybe she can fill it. Maybe he can fill it. Maybe you're the missing piece. Come on, Jerry Maguire. Maybe you complete. I've been waiting forever. You. And there's this emptiness inside that, that we long for. 
And, and rather than stopping to reflect on why I feel the way that I do, I begin to, to try to find things to fill that void. And then pretty soon, like, I bring my emptiness to someone who's still trying to get their emptiness filled. And then we got two people trying to get their emptiness filled from each other who's still empty. And they were like, man, this is not working either. Hey, it's not you, it's me. Okay, and then we're, we're moving on to the next. And we're always looking for something to complete me. Here's what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. Did you catch that? Paul is saying, hey, your completeness is not found in that boy. It's not found in that girl. It's not found in that car. It's not found in that house. He said your completeness is found in who? It's right there. In Christ. Your completeness is found in Christ. And so before I ever jump into a relationship, I got to make sure that I'm the best me. I got to make sure like, man, like what can I learn in this season of waiting? Like I really, 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 really want to date. But what, what, is God, what can I learn? God, how can you complete me so that I can be the best me? I actually think when I start doing that, I'm not jumping into everything either. I'm more guarded because I worked hard to fill this gap. And I don't want just anyone to come in and try to pick me apart. And so first question I'm going to ask myself, oh, I can't flick my, am I the best me? Thank you, Mike. Am I the best me? Here's the second question uh, that I'm going to ask myself. Am I dating purpose or potential? Am I dating purpose or potential? So Judges chapter 16 and verse 4. Sometime later, he, he being Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So Sorek, what we, what we uncover is Sorek lies in the middle of Israel and Philistine. Israel, God's chosen people. Philistine, the enemies. And what we, re what we read is that Sorek, the valley of Sorek, lies in between God's people, God's enemy. Delilah comes from the valley of Sorek. Now, most theologians, as I was doing, doing research about this, they, they, they are unsure if Delilah is Hebrew, which comes from Israel, or if she was a Philistine which comes from over there. They don't know. They just know that she came from this place called Sorek, who lied in between Israel and Philistine. They don't know if she was over here. They don't know if she was over here. All they know is that she was in the middle. They don't know if she was a good good guy they don't know if she was a bad guy all they know 
well, clearly she's a bad guy, right? But like, like <laughs> all they know is that she was right here. She was from Soros. She was in the middle. Good, bad. Israel, Philistine. Now, the reason why I'm drilling in on this is because I think this is a big deal. Because what we do a lot of the times when as a Christian, okay, as a Christian. So if you are here and you don't identify as a Christian, you are off the hook. You can just zone out for the next 30 seconds. But if you're a Christian and you're here, here's what we tend to do. When we're looking and we're dating, we're trying to date someone. This is what we say to ourselves. Well, she is not a Christian, but she's not evil. She's not the devil. I mean, she, she's, she's just right there. She's just in the middle. She's a good person. Well, he's, he may not be a Christian, but he's definitely not like the evil devil worshiper. He's just in the middle. So it's cool. And what we do is, is we begin to make generalizations about this idea of like, well, they, they may not be, they may not love Jesus, but they're definitely, they could be worse. But can I propose to you this morning that the wrong person could lead you down the wrong path? The wrong person can lead you down the wrong path. Watch this. So from birth, Samson had a purpose. God had a plan for Samson. Judges 13.5, he said, you will become pregnant, not Samson, okay? <laughs> His mama. Yeah. <laughs> you, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite. So an Israelite dedicated to the service of God. He will be dedicated as a Nazarite from birth. Watch this. Purpose. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistine. So from the very beginning, before Samson was even born, God had a purpose for Samson. Side note, before you were even born, God had a purpose for you. Before you even out your mama's womb, like he had a purpose for you. He had a calling for you. And so, so from the very beginning, Samson, he, he, he was born with a purpose. But remember, the wrong person can lead you down the wrong path. And so Samson, because he fell in love with this girl Delilah, it led him down the wrong path. And, and, and please, like it could be opposite too. Like Del Samson could have led Delilah too, okay? So ladies, don't get mad at me, please. But what we see is that, is that Samson, he had purpose, but when he focused more on a person's potential, it led him down the wrong path. Because watch what happens to Samson in chapter 16, verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to the grinding grain in prison. So the very people he was supposed to free, uh, the very people that he was supposed to have purpose with, freeing Israel from, became the very people he became bondage to. If I am not careful, 
I will focus more on potential than purpose. In this moment, Samson, he got, he got, he, he, he became so, so focused on the potential. Well, see, I don't know if she's Hebrew, but whoo, she's fine. I don't know if, I don't know if she's Hebrew, but my gosh, when she says, Samson, I love you, my knees get weak. But what he didn't realize is that purpose is greater than potential. Listen, when we find someone that we like, we got to make sure that our purpose is aligned. We got to make sure that, that I'm more focused on the purpose than the potential. Oh, don't worry. He'll be Christian. I promise. She'll be Christian. But, but we, like, purpose, purpose. Well, John, I don't know my purpose. Well, let's go back to what I said at the very beginning. If you're here and you identify as a Christian, here's your purpose. Share Jesus with people. Like, that's the only purpose you need for right now. Everything else will follow. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, go out, make disciples. Purpose. Like, purpose is everything. Do our purposes align? My wife and I, you know, like we would never have been able to start this church if our purpose wasn't aligned. Like I would have, if, if she felt called to something different, it would have been like me dragging her along. Come on, you can do it. I can't. No, you can. I don't want to. Yes, you do. Right? Like <laughs> Purpose. It's greater than potential. So we're talking about four questions to ask ourselves. Number one, am I the best me? Number two, am I dating purpose or potential? Number three, am I able to identify intention? Am I able to identify intention? Here's verse five, the very next verse. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. And how we can overpower him. So we may tie him up and subdue him. Subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So let me say this. Every person that wants your attention has an intention. Every person that wants your attention has an intention. I believe the reason Samson couldn't see through Delilah's intention was because he allowed the wrong thing to grab his attention. I believe the reason why Samson wasn't able to see through Delilah's intention is because he focused, he gave himself to the wrong attention. He, put, he looked at the wrong attention. I think as human beings, man, like we are, we, like we are more about contour than character. And so, like, what am I more focused on? Am I more focused on someone's character or am I more focused on their contour? Like, contour is amazing, but contour gets old. Contour wrinkles. (laughs) 
Character. Character doesn't wrinkle. Character hopefully just gets stronger. Gets better. Like what are what are that person's intentions? And I just got to make sure that I focus on the right attention. And this is the last one. Number four, will I be able to guard my soul? Will I be able to guard my soul? And the band can come up, and we're going we're gonna, to end. I'm going a little long, but I promise you it'll be worth it. So will I be able to guard my soul? We didn't even plan this, honestly, ladies and gentlemen. Like, we didn't plan this idea that they're going to be singing about it is well with my soul. And then the last point was going to be about the soul. That just kind of worked out. And so I called an audible uh, for that. But uh, number four, number four question. Will I be able to guard my soul? Here's the next verse, Judges 16 and verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength. And how you can be tied up and subdued. And he's like, oh, it's like that. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, if you weren't in church, you would have laughed. So just chill, okay? <laughs> Tell me the secret to your great strength. Here's what's interesting, everybody. It takes Delilah three times to finally get... Uh, to finally get the answer to the secret of his strength. Three times. Three times, Samson, three times, Samson, had to, uh, had to tell Delilah something. Now, when I used to read this, I used to think, man, Samson, he was like the stereotypical, all muscle, no brains. Like Samson, clearly, she's trying to hurt you. Samson, Clearly, she is trying to do something. And each and every single time, Samson's like, this is really the secret to my strength. Samson, you lied. Okay, this is really the secret to my strength. Samson, you lied. Okay, this is really. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Like three times, Samson. Come on, man. It's like three times. And here's, what's, here's what I love uh, about this. Or I don't love it because that's a lie. Like what's interesting about this is that Samson was not able to, to, to get those red flags up. To notice like, oh man, maybe her intentions for me is not the best. Because he kept it. He kept going. He kept going three times. And so, like what I was saying, I, when I first read this story when I was younger, I was always like, man, Samson's just dumb. But as I've gotten older, I realized that it wasn't the fact that Samson uh, was dumb, maybe. <laughs> but I think the bigger thing was Samson's soul was tied to her. And he didn't even realize it. Samson's soul was tied to her. We read in, in, uh, in verse 4 of chapter 16 that they fell in love. Most theologians believe that 
that, that love implies sexual relationship. So there was a tie there. All right, now we breathe. Breathe with me, guys. Breathe with me. Like, it, like their soul was tied together. So let's talk about sex real quick. Okay? Um, thank you for laughing. <laughs> it's like, oh, they said sex. Let's talk about sex real quick. God created sex. God designed sex. Hello. Come on, if that's not a reason to love God, I don't know what is. God designed, created sex. Well, how do we know that? Because we read it at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2. So God created sex for three main reasons, I believe. Procreation, okay? That means to have kids. Recreation, to have fun. And third, unification. And as much as we, as much as sex is for, for, for um, procreation and, and as much as it is for recreation, I believe it's the third reason that this thing becomes so beautiful and yet so dangerous. Because God said at Genesis chapter 2, you can read it, that, that two, he said, this is why two people, two flesh, become one. They become tied together. So God designed sex for the, conf, the, con, the covenant of marriage so that husband and wife, their souls can be tied together. It can be linked together. And when it's done this way, sex is beautiful. But as you know, when it's done outside of how God designed it, it can break hearts. It can ruin lives. It can mess people up. And so Mike's going to come up. I have a quick illustration. So God created. Here's what the Apostle Paul says, and this is just going to, this is going to lean into the, the soul tying, okay? This is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. So sexual immorality outside of how God designed it. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So Paul's saying like, Every, every sin, it's outside, like it affects the outside of your body. But he says, sexual sin, like it affects internally, inside. It affects your soul. And I believe the reason it is, is because he created for you two to become one. So I'm going to illustrate this, and then we're done. We're going to sing. And uh, so here's, here's, here's you. Here's someone that you like. You're like, oh, yeah. Woo, girl, I love your ribbon, right? Like, what, is, what does that mean? And so, so you hook up, okay? okay and here's what it, it's going to tie your soul together. And that's biblical. We read it. Two become one. Like, that's, that's how God designed it. It's not a mess up. That's how he designed it. But here's the deal. When it's tied 
and I realize that she has issues, when I realize that I got issues, and like, I'm like, okay, I don't think this relationship's gonna work, but I can't untie it. And so what we have to do, all right, we're gonna call it quits. See ya. Oh man, that was good. Oh, whew. She was so extra. And then Friday night you're at the bar and you're like, whoa, man, right? Like that's how a woman, never mind. And you're like, yes. One thing leads to another. Woo! You hook up. That's beautiful. Timing. What? That, that was the wrong context of what? Anyways. Maybe. And so, so here we are. We're like, yes, this is a great relationship. Or maybe it was just a one-night thing and we're like, oh, cool. Whatever. He doesn't know how to tie. <laughs> Therapy. And we're, we're all waiting. Yay! So there it is. We're tied. Woo! Praise God. But this was just a one-night thing. It was never meant to be a committed thing. Like, I'm kind of, you know, like, see you later. Peace out. What happens? Well, we're tied. Because that's what it's for, to become one. Soul's tied. Cut it. There it is. But if you notice what's happening, every time it's cutting, I'm losing some length. Every time I'm, every time I'm cutting, this is shorter. Oh, by the way, what I didn't say is this is what God created for you to give to your spouse. But every time I keep cutting it, it gets shorter and shorter. So eventually, cut it, cut it like right here. I don't got patience. Eventually, if I don't play my cards right, and I just start, I don't value what God has given me. Eventually, I find that one person that I really love and I really want to spend forever with. And I'm like, here you go. That's what I have for you. That's all I have, man. God desires and designed us to give the person everything, all of us. All of us. Now here's the beauty, thank you, Mike. Here's the beauty of this. Because I understand that this message can be very sad for some people. Because you're like, man, I had no idea, John, that my soul was tied to someone. And here's what I don't want. I don't want anyone to leave here feeling like, man, this is all I have left for my spouse. Because here's the beauty of God, is that God restores. Here's the beauty of God that God redeems. Here's the beauty of God, that if he knows your heart and you're like, God, I want to be restored. I want to be renewed. God is so faithful and he will renew you. He will renew your soul. He will renew your purity. He will renew your desire to give yourself to that one person that he created for you.